Um, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you are with us and guide us through your word today. I pray that our conversation would bear fruit and that we would look to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So, um, I don't know if y'all were here last week. Um, we are doing a four-week series on the gospel according to Pixar. Last week was Finding Nemo, and this week I'll be talking about the movie Ratatouille. So, has, if you could raise your hand, who's seen the movie Ratatouille? Okay, most people. <laughs> so, you'll catch me if I said it wrong. Um, I will give a warning. So, um, what I'm going to talk about is not necessarily... Um, the whole picture of the movie, I kind of am taking little snippets of what I think kind of spoke to me when I saw the movie. Um, the movie, for those, the couple of you who haven't seen it, is about a French rat named Remy who is really, can cook. And so he enters the life of this young man named Luigi who's working in a, his father's kitchen, and he's kind of a disaster. And this rat kind of comes in, and completely takes over for Luigi and brings the, redeems the restaurant and make, takes it from a three-star restaurant to a five-star restaurant. And that's sort of the basic plot of the story. But so um, today what I want to be looking at is how the Luigi, the story of Luigi, just from his perspective, how he exhibits sort of a gospel story, how his salvation comes from a really unlikely source and the way it does for us. And... Then from that, at first he's really grateful, and then he starts to take credit for himself, and then everything kind of blows up in his face. <laughs> and my warning would be that, yes, there are, if you've seen the movie, there are certainly loopholes. Um, one of my favorite quotes from, is, is from Dostoevsky, who says that no man can rewrite the gospel, which only means that I'm not perfect, right? I mean, y'all aren't perfect. We can't even write perfect stories. So certainly this rat is not the perfect um, salvation figure, but it's a good model for um, looking at our own lives because I look at it sort of like, I'm not going to say anything that you haven't heard before, but what's cool is that sort of like when you listen to yourself on voicemail, you know, I know that I have a southern accent, but I don't really know that. I don't really hear it. But then when I hear myself on voicemail, I sort of cringe, you know? Like you sound a lot different than you thought you did. Um, in the same way, I hope that when I watch Luigi, I think, I think I look a lot different than I think I do. Or I act a lot different. In my head, I see one thing, but in reality, it's something else. And so looking at Luigi, we sort of see that. So first, I'm going to introduce Luigi. I'm going to play this clip. And this is when you first meet him in the movie um, here in the kitchen. Hope it would help. 
me, get, you know, get a job here. But the girls who stole wouldn't hesitate. Any sort of philosophy. Yes, well, we could file this and if something suitable over here. What? How dare you hire someone without my permission? We needed a garbage boy. Oh, garbage, well, I'm glad it's worked out. Okay, <laughs> so off the bat, um, there's something that we sort of like about Luigi, right? There's a certain kind of weakness there. Um, in the same way that when you're in class, say, and no one ever likes, never one ever dislikes the kid who's making the lowest grade, or no one ever likes the kid who's picked, dislikes the kid who's picked last on the kickball team, because there's a part of you that's sort of relieved it's not you, right? It's like, thank goodness for, mm-hmm, <laughs> because... At least it's not me, right? <laughs> and you feel a little bit better about yourself. So you look at Luigi and you think, oh, well, you know, there's something kind of endearing about him because he doesn't really seem to know what's going on. And you'll see that he's a t completely terrible cook. And so there's something sort of endearing. Um, but I would say that when you look at Luigi, it's helpful kind of if you can close your eyes. I mean, you don't have to close your eyes, but maybe I will. Um, and think of that thing that you are really terrible at. I mean, everybody has one thing, and maybe it's math class, maybe it's small talk, maybe it's cooking, maybe it's uh, your relationship with your sister, whatever. Um, <laughs> and you close your eyes, and if you think of that thing for a second, and then you think about what if, in an instant, you were saved from that thing? What if all of a sudden you became let's say maybe your thing is math, and all of a sudden you became Albert Einstein, you know, the best math student that ever lived, or the best whatever. Um, what would that salvation look like? What if all of a sudden you became quarterback of your football team? Um, and so, kind of a, so we, like the old hymn, you know, I lift my eyes up and where does my help come from? Well, it comes from a pretty unexpected source. Okay, so Luigi wants to be a great cook, right? That's what he really wants. He wants to do well. Does he ever imagine that his ability to be a great cook is going to come in the form of this rat, right? <laughs> Probably not. You know, you think that the last thing you want in the kitchen really is a rat, and yet this is what gives him, this is what saves him. So instantly I think of um, the verse from the first chapter of John in which they say, he says, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So here, just like with Luigi, we see Jesus comes in a form that we don't expect. I mean, when I think of the way Jesus 
is Jesus' entry would have been the savior that they you know, foretold. I kind of think of that opening scene in Aladdin, you know, where Aladdin comes in on the giant um, elephant, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, they let, roll out the red carpet, and yet, just like this riot is not what Luigi's expecting, Jesus is not what we are expecting. And yet, he fully takes over in a way that we couldn't have even imagined. So here... Okay, so we see that the rat, Remy, right, totally takes over for Luigi. Luigi cannot cook. I mean, you see he tastes it and he spits it out instantly from the thing that he made. But then we see here the rat comes and he makes a completely perfect dish. And he's operating um, Luigi like a puppet. Um, so my question is, would it have made it better, say, if Luigi was really good at desserts, but he's awful at the main course? I don't know, maybe not. You know, what if, what if say, the rat came, here's Colette, the cook, right? The, she works there, and she's there under a three-star restaurant, so maybe Colette's rating is three stars, and Luigi's probably a one-star, right? So what if the rat, what if Remy took over for Colette? I mean, at the end, he's still five stars. He still makes something perfect. So it doesn't really matter whether he's, op, he's working through Gideon or, I mean, through Gideon. We're getting to that. Through, um, spoiler, through Luigi or Colette, um, either way, he makes something perfect. I mean, how do you get better than perfect, right? I mean, I remember in uh, high school, I had coaches say things like, you got to give 110%. Well, that's not 
that's not possible. <laughs> you know, 100% is the best that you can do, and this is what the rat gives us, and this is what Jesus gives us. So it doesn't matter if we're coming to Jesus with, I've got my one star, and Doug here has three stars. Well, at the end of the day, we need Jesus to get to five stars. So it doesn't matter how many stars I have. And so in that way, it doesn't matter if you're picked last for the kickball team or if you pick first. I mean, with Jesus, it's Jesus, we both, all of us need Jesus to get to that five stars like the restaurant does. So with that in mind, um, I'm going to have, it's kind of a long passage that we're going to read from Judges, but I'm going to have Catherine come read it for me. Um, thinking about this idea of God um, using really whomever, not based on what you have at the beginning. But um, So this is the story of Gideon, for those of you who are familiar, familiar with it. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, But sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor with you, then show me a sign that it is you who speak to me. Speak with me. Do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. The Lord said to Gideon, The troops with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Israel would not only would only take credit away from me, saying, My own hand has delivered me. Now therefore, proclaim this in the hearing of the troops. Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home. Thus Gideon sifted out, 22,000 returned, and 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The troops are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them out for you there. When I say, This one shall go with you, he shall go with you. And when I say, This one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the troops down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, All those who lap the water with their tongues, as a dog laps, you shall put to one side. All those who kneel down to drink, putting their hands to their mouths, you shall put to the other side. The number of those that lapped was 300, but all the rest of the troops knelt down to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 that lapped, I will deliver you, and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go to their homes. So he took the jars of the troops from their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel back to their own tents. But he retained, but retained the 300. The camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Okay, so we look at that, and basically what happens, Gideon, who claims to be the weakest in Manasseh, he's the weakest in his family, God chooses to use him. And not only does he use him, but then he starts with over 30,000 troops, right? And then he says, there's too many. If you, if you have that many, you're going to take credit away from me, me being God. Take credit from God and take it on yourselves. So he splits them up and um, leaves only 10,000. And then after that, they go to the pool of water, right? And so the ones that, it says, lap it like a dog, lap the water like a dog, those are separated from the ones who kneel and take water. So if you're Gideon and you're choosing your troops, who do you want? I mean, do you want the ones that are lapping water like dogs? Or do you want the ones who are kneeling and drinking water like, you know, potentially a normal person would drink it? You would probably not want the ones that look like dogs, right? Those don't sound like your prize fighters. <laughs> but those are the ones that the Lord gives him. And in the way that the Lord instructs Gideon step by step, just like the rat is instructing Luigi step by step, um, 
he brings him to victory in the end. And um, that kind of leads me into the last, the second portion, which is the major point. So now that uh, you could say that Luigi has accepted Remy the rat, um, has allowed him to take over, led him into his heart, as we might say, um, in the way that we accept Jesus and you receive salvation, uh, the question might be, what next, right? So if it doesn't matter whether I get one star or three stars, what do I do now? If you don't need me to work to get, maybe I have one star, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, I've been working the last 20 years on getting two stars, and now you told me it doesn't matter. What, what am I supposed to do? Um, and I think that um, I was listening to a sermon the other day, and he said, the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to work to get those four stars. But there's certain things that can be sort of helpful. <laughs> that things are, your life can be made, um, can be more enjoyable if you respond like Gideon responds here. You see Judges 8, he says, Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us out of the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Because our first response is to think that um, something really great happened. Maybe Gideon's first response would be to think, I'm pretty strong, right? Like, I went in there with 300 troops, and I just defeated them. Like, look at me. Like, I must be a really great leader. Or if, um, for me, maybe if you're, uh, in the past, I was known to, in, in the course of, like, evening kind of conversations with God, sometimes say, you know, discussing things going on, I might say, and I just have no idea how I'm going to get through this test or this relationship with this person. So I get to school the next day or whatever it is, and I, I somehow, not through me, and I knew it wasn't because I wasn't ready, something turned out okay. Is my first response to say, thanks be to God? I hope so. But for me, it was usually, huh, maybe I really am good at math. You know, <laughs> like maybe, maybe I really am kind of a really, I'm a pretty good person. You know, like no wonder I was so sweet to my sister last night. <laughs> you know, when really I'm not giving credit where credit is due in the way that Gideon does. So we see Luigi falls in the same trap that I think we fall into. Um, and keep in mind that, so in an earlier scene, he's confessed to Colette that he's not doing any of this by himself. He says, I cannot do this. He confesses to Colette. But you see, as things start to go well, what happens? If this makes up. Right, so Remy, the, Remy's telling him, don't do it, right? But Colette's pretty cute, and Colette is saying, do it. So what does he do? He pulls back and yanks it, right? And, and what happens to Remy?
life had been meteoric, yet you have no humble training. What is the secret to your genius? Secret? You, you want the truth? I am uh, Gusto's son. In my blood, I guess. But you weren't aware of it back until very recently. No. And it resulted in your taking ownership of this system. How did you find out? So earlier, you see, when things aren't going very well, he says, it's not starting to sort of go well, he says, and he's saved. His first thing is he confesses to Colette, it wasn't me. And here, what does he say? He says, things are going really well. And then he says, well, I guess I'm Gusto, I'm the son of a chef, so I guess I am pretty good at math. I guess I am a pretty nice person, you know? And that's kind of where you see him go. And what's the problem with that? Um, I would say that at least in my experience, and we'll see what happens to Luigi, is that if I'm, he starts to think, well, I guess I'm Gusto's son. I guess I am a pretty good chef. Well, is he a good chef? <laughs> Can he really do this by himself? I mean, he's destined for a crash and burn right there. Um, and the way that I'm destined for a crash and burn in my math class or in my relationship with my sister or on that, um, in that meeting when I was seemingly really prepared at first, but then next week it comes out, I wasn't as prepared as I looked, you know? Um, like in the same way that what if Gideon had, they said to him, um, rule over us. What if he says, sure thing, you know? Like, I got this in the bag. <laughs> well, it only comes out later. Maybe he wasn't such a great general because God was working through, you know, all that came from God and that Gideon responds in a way that, he gives glory to um, the, the source. And so, like I said, you see that you're destined for a major crash like I am. But there's good news on the end of it because um, we'll see Luigi is destined for this crash and yet, like I'm destined... And yet, um, he's met there. And this is my last clip. Everyone. The reason ego is outside that door. 
you've been giving me credit for his gift. I know it's a hard thing to believe, but hey, you you believed I could cook, right? <laughs> Look, this works. It's crazy, but it works. We can be the greatest restaurant. So, the, a scene I think is really cool from this. So he reaches the end. People demand of him things that he realizes now he cannot perform. And who, does he have to call Remy? Does he have to go and search for the rat? The rat walks right in, right in the depth, right when he's in this worst spot. And the way that God is present in the worst spots, in my experience, I reach the bottom of the end, the end of my rope, the end of, you know, now I'm failing math class. (laughs) It's not like God left, or my relationship is in the tank, or whatever it is. And um, God meets me there again and says, I'm with you still. Um, And so the cool thing about this is once Luigi then enters into this relationship with the rat, um, in the same way that once we enter into this relationship with God, he's freed of that burden of having to be the good chef that he wanted to be. Or I'm freed of the burden to have to be the prize student or the best sister or the best child or the best whatever. Um, And that frees me up to do um, really anything. And the only thing is that is giving God the glory, glory, as they say in that song. <laughs> um, because after you see after this that Luigi then becomes, he's not much of a chef, but he becomes this amazing uh, waiter. And he serves the rat in a different way. And yet Colette continues to cook, and she serves directly on, alongside the rat. And so in a lot of ways, the stress that I remember, people asked me about a thousand times when I was growing up, I'm sure, uh, what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> you know, it's like when you're in third grade, it's sort of like cute to say that you want to be an astronaut or something, and then you become something else. And I felt like there was something, this kind of treasure box inside me that had to be unlocked to find out what my true purpose was, like what career I was meant for. And um, I think maybe the answer is, there's no, there's no but, and I remember they said that it was going to be in heaven, and if I didn't do it, then God was going to get mad at me. I'm pretty sure there's no box like that in heaven where God's going to show you what that career was. And maybe for me it'll say firefighter. But I don't, I don't think there's a box. You know, I think that um, Remy doesn't come to Luigi. The rat doesn't come to Luigi to say, to make Luigi a good cook. He comes to be in the... The rat already knows how to cook perfectly. He already redeems the restaurant himself and the way that God doesn't need us to save the world. Jesus already saved the world. He doesn't need you to do it. But... He invites you like they have and to be in a relationship. And that's the good news. So you can be a beautician or a teacher or a firefighter or a minister or whatever, but um, that his goal is not for you to necessarily, necessarily be, you don't have to worry about, am I supposed to be um, a baker? Uh, I think that he just wants you to be with him. And so that's my last thought. <laughs> so let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the people you have brought here to hear your word and experience you together. I pray that you give all the glory to you, the one who has done everything, and that freedom we would find comfort and peace in you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.